You made a good decision to join in the trenches with Dave Lappin, brought to you by First Star Logistics, because our special guest is Eric Wood. Eric Wood is the color analyst for the Buffalo Bills radio network. Eric Wood went to Elder High School, had a great career at Elder. He goes to Louisville. He gets drafted in the first round, 28th pick in the draft by the Buffalo Bills. Goes on and has a very distinguished nine-year career with the Buffalo Bills Pro Bowl player. Eric Wood knows everything there is to know about the Buffalo Bills. And you're going to like listening to Eric Wood and learning about the Buffalo Bills because it is a huge matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. Whoever wins this football game, it's a serious leg up on that number one seed. going to be very excited about joining in the trenches with Dave Lappin brought to you by First Star Logistics today from our outstanding studios as always because we have a guest that is outstanding Eric Wood this guy is a Cincinnati icon played at Elder High School they went something like what 24 and 2 I think it was uh, the last two years that this guy was at Elder High School went to Louisville 28th pick of the draft first round pick Buffalo Bills. Eric Wood, welcome, sir. Lap, thanks for having me on, brother. And thank you very much for that intro. We were we were 14-1 uh, to 1 my junior and senior at Elder, but we didn't lose to anyone in the state of Ohio. We got beat a couple times. I joked that I followed Brian Brom after he beat us at Louisville Trinity, but I only had one scholarship offer, so it was an easy decision for me. Yeah, and and, uh, and you you played with Brom, right? I mean, there, there you go, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's awesome. All right, so take us take us back to your to your high school days. I mean, what was it like at Elder High School? And you, I, I know you played some tight end. And when did you transition to the offensive line? Yeah, so playing at Elder was a dream come true with me. I grew up going to games at the pit. So someday wearing the purple and white and playing in the pit on Friday nights was a dream of mine. And my junior year, I'm a backup tight end and. There was a bunch of other guys at my high school at, at Elder getting recruited. We had a really strong team. And some of the coaches that were around said, hey, maybe you should try and put on some weight, maybe play some offensive line. And uh, the writing was on the wall. I was I was starting to get wider than I am tall. I'm six foot four. I've been about that height since I was maybe 14 or 15. And so right. I started getting wider, put on some weight, was able to get one scholarship after, after playing offensive line my senior year. And just fell into an incredible situation down at the University of Louisville. Man, that that's you talk about a, a a trajectory that went straight up. I mean, that's that's just unbelievable. You have a a great career down at Louisville. You're you're all conference, uh, you know, multiple times down there, and then 28th pick in the draft, right? I mean, first round selection by the Buffalo Bills, 28th pick. What was that like? What was draft day like for you and your family? It was incredible. We we watched the draft for my mom's over on the west side of Cincinnati and had family around, a few friends. And it's funny, I took a pre-draft visit to the Bengals and I sat in there with Paul Alexander and Marvin Lewis. And they said, look, e, here's the deal. We have the sixth pick in the draft and the 38th pick in the draft. We don't move in the draft. We won't get you at six. You know, we're not taking a center at number six. They ended up taking Andre Smith. And we're, you're going to be gone by 38. And I said, you really think I'll be gone by 38? And they said, yeah, I mean, we'll take you at 38, but we just don't move in the draft. At that time, the Bengals rarely ever moved in the draft. And so, that you know, you have these moments that 
you know, give you some confidence or some some clarity moving forward. And that was one of those moments when I thought, OK, well, at least one team and maybe it's uh, some some uh, logistical bias that they're in Cincinnati and I was just right down the road in Louisville. But it was it was incredible. It was a dream come true. I remember watching Nick Mangold a couple of years prior get drafted in the first round and there had been a a run of centers not getting drafted in the first round since Jeff Fain out of Notre Dame got drafted in the first round. Right. And so to me, I didn't know how realistic it was. And then my year in the draft, we had, we ended up having two first rounders, myself and Alex Mack to Cleveland. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Mack was uh, drafted the, the exact same year. All right. So you go on to have a stellar nine year career, pro bowl player, um, great success, as a, as a Buffalo Bill individually and collectively as a football team, what's your biggest memory? I mean, wh- what is it about your playing days that when you reflect, hits you right in the head, right in the face first? Man, there's so many great memories. We talked about it on my podcast when, when you were a guest. It's the memories, the guys in the locker room that you probably remember the most and you miss the most when you're done playing. And I went from growing up rooting for the Bengals when the Bengals had the longest playoff drought in all of the NFL. I then get drafted to the Bills, and the Bengals go on a streak of making the playoffs six years in a row, I believe. And now I'm playing in the longest playoff drought in all of professional sports. And so we didn't have a ton of success, but incredible relationship, incredible memories. And then my final year in 2017, Sean McDermott's first year, we break that playoff drought. And look, I'll never win a Super Bowl as a player, and that's okay. I'm medically disqualified from football. I'll never win a Super Bowl as a player. But the joy we felt in that locker room, watching the Bengals beat the Ravens and Andy Dalton throwing that touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd, I believe, yes, uh, yes. to send the Bills to the playoffs. And, and I'll say this just because I know that there's a lot of Bengals fans tuning in. We're sitting there, and, and Marvin Lewis is kind of a lame duck at this point. Like they, The writing was on the wall that they were going to move on from Marvin. And they, the Bengals were not making the playoffs. But I said, look, this team, this city, this organization loves Marvin Lewis. They are going to play hard for him. He came from Baltimore. They want to send him off the right way, and they sure did. That was that was an unbelievable football game, and uh, and, and and vaulted the Buffalo Bills into the into the playoffs. Talk about um, how your how your career ended. It was unfortunate due to the neck injury, and because you still had a lot of football left in you, but when. You know, when the injury gods say it's time, it's it, it's time. Take us through how difficult that period of time in your in your playing career must have been. Well, it was tough because I was in year nine playing what I thought was my best ball of my entire career. I'd signed a contract extension before the season. I was the yeah. first guy that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott gave a contract to in Buffalo. So I felt extremely honored to be a part of what they were building moving forward and now it looks great, but at the time, everyone thought we were tanking, but I had a lot of trust and confidence in those individuals as well as our ownership. The the Pagoulas had bought the team just a couple years prior, and so I signed a contract extension with the team. I'm the only player on the team to play 100% of the snaps. We break the longest playoff drought in all of professional sports, and I find out as I'm getting my exit physical like everybody else does that I have a career-ending neck injury, and so to me – Look, and I'm realistic about it. Most guys in the NFL, 99% of the guys in the NFL don't walk away on their own terms. I get that. I just felt like it shouldn't have been that time. You know, not in a season where I played every single snap of the season. You know, there I, I went through 
two leg breaks, one, the Joe Theismann leg break. I tore my ACL. I had, you know, a number of injuries and this is what's taking me out. Something I don't even know I had. And so that put me on a journey to figure out what was next for me in my life. And it's been a fun transition into sports media and some investing and spending more time at home with my family. And, um, you know, I am fulfilled at this stage of my life. And look, I, I look back on my NFL career and appreciate the memories but, man, I feel so bad for all those guys out there. And, Dave, I know you know them, too, that just relish on those and they can't get past that that those days of playing pro football. Like, there is something so much better and greater for all of us out there. No, you're exactly right. And we, we talked about this uh, last night when, when I was doing a podcast with you. And, and uh, it's a, we have so many similarities, you know, and almost I, I said you feel like a brother from another mother or something to me. Uh, how our career paths – have, have a lot, a lot of similarities. And, uh, so did you consider coaching? I mean, that's one thing I was kind of torn when I was at the end of my career. Okay. Do I try the coaching angle? Do I go into the broadcast aspect of it? I know I want to do something to continue in the game of football, but what Avenue is it going to be? What was that process like for you? If I would have not made it to the NFL, I would bet money that I would be in coaching. I would have wanted to continue to be around the game and likely in the coaching aspect. It would have been hard to go from playing college ball at Louisville and then get to a big enough platform, a big enough stage to get into broadcasting how I'd like to do it. And so I likely would have got into coaching after playing almost a decade in the NFL. To me, the stage where my family was at with a with a newborn uh, we literally found out my career was over in the delivery room as my son was about to be born. Wow. And, and, and you want to talk about a, a wife that gets it. I, I'm getting the call that's going to essentially have my football fate in its hands. And my wife says, just answer. We both want to know. And so wow. 50 minutes before he's born, I find out my career is over. So we have a newborn and yeah. a two and a half year old. And I just felt like for me, the amount of hours, and I blame John Gruden for this. I've, I've tried to trace back who started the 15-hour workdays. And a lot of people trace it back to the Tampa Bay days with Gruden. And they win a Super Bowl getting there at four in the morning every day. And so then everybody around the league had to say, look, I, I was here for 15 hours. I was here for 17 hours. Look, we're doing all we can. And I just, I, I don't truly feel like it needs to be that way. Regardless of how I feel, that's that's the standard that's set now in college and pro sports. And so for me, where we're at right now in life, I don't think it would make sense for me to coach. But man, being in that locker room, being around the guys, being able to pour into them. And just like yourself, you learn so much throughout your career and you want to pass that along to others. I just feel like I would be robbing my family if I did it. And I, I've heard you. You're outstanding. You do a great job. You're a great communicator and very intelligent, obviously, not just football IQ, but overall IQ, very, very smart individual. Um, but your understanding of the game is, is, uh, is very, very evident. At what point did you become so enthralled with the game of football? And did you play other sports as you were, you know, growing up and, uh, in, in, in gravitating toward the sport of football? Yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate the compliments there as well, Dave. When I was growing up on the west side of Cincinnati, we played everything. You know, the, the AU circuit in basketball wasn't nearly as popular. Us, Maybe I would have gone down that path because probably my first love playing sports early on was basketball. But I played baseball and golf and I played volleyball for a couple seasons. I was down to compete no matter what we were doing. And so I just loved competing. And so I played basketball and football throughout high school. And then, 
my love of football probably came in high school. You know, you start to see some type of success. My senior year had a good amount of success. And then I fell in love with the game, the X's and O's, honestly playing for Bobby Petrino at the University of Louisville. And look, Bobby's reputation speaks for itself. He's made some questionable decisions that have tarnished his name. But as far as X's and O's and teaching the game and being able to punish defenses with the chess match of football, like that was so fun to me. And even as I call the games now, you know, some people will say, you know, you get to Kansas City to call a game, Dave, and you're so high up in that stadium, but you get to see the chess pieces really unfold as opposed to last week when we're in Chicago and you're lateral with the field. And yes, you're a little bit closer to the field, but you can't see the actual schemes unfolding. And so I love the chess match of football. I love, I love looking at a coaching staff and say, okay, this defensive coordinator came from this coaching tree, so he's probably got these blitz packages. This offensive coordinator's from the, you know, the Gruden tree. He's from the Shanahan system, so this right. is how he's going to attack it. Let's see how this unfolds. Like to me, that excites me, and, and I really love it. You know, the physicality of football playing is great. I don't know if you're like me with those parabolic mics nowadays. We get to hear the hits in our headset, and at times I cringe, you know. But uh, but you know the physicality part of it was a lot of fun as well. Yeah, and and I'm like you uh, in that you know the matchups. It's like, boy, how did how did that team beat that team? Because they they have a comp- common opponent, and that common opponent smoked that one. But it was a. It doesn't matter every every game is a different matchup and they're going to have strengths and weaknesses that are totally different in in the way they're utilized and how they get to them with uh, personnel groupings, formations, all that sort of thing. I mean, I'm, I'm like you, the chess match of it is, uh, is, is as big a energy boost as just about anything during the course of the week. And, and just almost thinking ahead, what would I do? I mean, in that situation, if I'm, I have situational football here. I'm in the red zone and I got to decide what I'm going to do and what I might face defensively. I'd, I'd like to go through that process just like you. It's a, it's a, it's a heck of a lot of fun. Let's talk a little bit about this matchup because man, you got the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo bills and man, it, this, you have two of the greatest quarterbacks in the, in the league right now. They're both top five. There's no question about that whatsoever. They might even be a little bit higher than that, but what is it about Allen that impresses you? Um, you know, obviously he's big, he's physical, all that sort of thing. But is there, uh, you know him probably a heck of a lot better than most people do. Is there anything about his personality or the way he approaches the game of football that just says, wow? <laughs> well, I'll say this. I first met Josh Allen at the Masters in 2018. My career had just ended, and I was the center that was going to be the mentor of the first-round quarterback that they were going to draft the following year. They were setting up draft capital to take that quarterback. The Bills actually traded away the pick that became Patrick Mahomes to Kansas City, but they were loading up for the following year. 2018, they weren't quite ready to take that quarterback. So I was extended to be the mentor. Well, I'm down at the Masters. And a lot of the CAA quarterbacks, the Darnolds, the Rosens, Mayfield, um, and Josh Allen, all those guys are down there at the, at the Masters. Oh. And I texted Brandon Bean, the GM of the Bills, and I, I just simply said, look, I didn't break anybody down on film, but if you want to know who the alpha is, the guy's guy in the room, the 21-year-old that can command attention, it's Josh Allen. Take it for what it's worth. And, and that rings true still to this day. He's loved by everybody he's oh. around. And he can command a room. He has no ego. And that's that, that's that's what 
allows him to be the type of leader he is. Now on the field, he is a hyper competitor. He is maybe the most competitive person I've ever watched perform. At times you want to pull him back. At times that leads him into a turnover here and there. At times it it forces him to take big shots down the field to his body when he's taken off and running and he's hurtling defensive backs and linebackers. But the guys love playing with him because of that. And when your quarterback's willing to put his body on the line, when he's willing to put the work in, then the other guys want to do the same. And he's just been he's been so great for that city, for someone to come in and embrace the town like he has. I don't know that anyone's done that since Jim Kelly. And Jim Kelly didn't even do that right away. We were talking about the USFL. He went to the right. uh, Houston. He went yeah. down to Houston. Yeah. Because he didn't want to go to Buffalo from Miami. And then he eventually fell in love with Buffalo, still lives there to this day. But Josh Allen has fully embraced Buffalo. What he does philanthropically, giving back to the community up there is is unbelievable. He's he's truly everything you want in a quarterback. Man, I, you know, the, the game of football is decided on the scoreboard. You can talk yards, you can talk all kinds of things, but it's points. And uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, in the podcast I did with you. There are, there are five teams in the NFL, uh, when I researched it, uh, that have, are in the top 10 in both scoring and points allowed. And three of them in the NFC, Philadelphia, Dallas, um, and San Francisco. The two teams in the AFC are the Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. And Buffalo's in the top five. Buffalo's second in points scored, which doesn't shock you with Josh Allen, Diggs, all these. But fourth in the National Football League, in points allowed. People kind of sleep on the Bills defense a little bit because there are so many star power guys, you know, offensively. Tell us about that Buffalo Bills defense a little bit. Yeah, so this is a defense that was number one in the league last year statistically, but against playoff teams, they weren't getting to the quarterback consistently enough. So they bring in five free agent defensive linemen, including Von Miller. That's the prized one, and he's out for the year now with an ACL. But they still picked up four other guys And what those guys have done from a defensive end and defensive tackle perspective is they freed up their two very talented linebackers in Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. They have an excellent nickel cornerback in Taron Johnson that's been a four-year starter for them. He's a physical nickel that can cover and support in the run, and it allows the Bills to play almost exclusively nickel no matter who it is. They hold Derrick Henry to two yards a carry in nickel defense. A lot of that's because of Taron Johnson – Number seven, the casual fans uh, of Buffalo, those who haven't watched Buffalo a whole lot, tune in to number seven when you watch the game. He's Mm -hmm. a a guy that everyone can be a fan of. You know, a a six-foot, 200-pound guy that throws his body around. Tredavious White, their all-pro cornerback, lost him to an ACL last year. He just came back a few weeks ago. He's still coming into his own. Across from him, they have Dane Jackson, um, who was a late-round pick, and he's rotating with their first rounder from this year, Kyrie Lim out of Florida. Coming into the season, maybe the best safety tandem in the league in Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde's out for the season with a neck injury. Jordan Poirier has missed three games this season. Sorry, he's missed, yes, three games this season. The Bills lose all three of those. They're undefeated when Jordan Poirier is in the lineup. He is an excellent football player on the back end of that defense. So moving forward with this Bills defense – Without Von Miller, can this cast of defensive linemen pressure a quarterback, pressure a Burrow with four-man rush? Because a Burrow or Mahomes, who you're eventually going to have to beat to get to the Super Bowl, 
you got to put pressure on those guys or both of them will tear you apart, just like Josh Allen will if you can't get pressure on him. No question about that. Tell me about Diggs. I mean, Diggs' numbers are, are, are crazy. 101 catches, third most in the league. 1,325 yards, third most in the league. 10 touchdown receptions, tied for second most. And then there's a major drop-off. I mean, Knox, I think, is the next leading receiver at the tight end position. So, I mean, obviously, Josh Allen is looking for digs. Teams know Josh Allen's looking for digs. And still, Josh Allen and digs get it done. Yeah. Since he's come over from Minnesota, his stats have just been remarkable. He's the true number one receiver that the Bills were missing in that offense. And so, um, yes, Josh looks for him a lot, especially they brought back Cole Beasley now. But prior to bringing back Cole Beasley in the slot this year, their answer was going to be Jamison Crowder, the free agent they picked up from the New York Jets. He's been a productive slot receiver for a number of years. He's out for the season now with injury. And so Diggs' production became so high because if they wanted to work the slot, they'd move Diggs inside. But traditionally, he's been an outside receiver. Well, they bring back Cole Beasley now. And so he gives them more of a slot presence. Just one catch in each of the last two games since he's been back. I would assume that production continues to go up. Gabe Davis, the receiver opposite Stephon Diggs, they had high hopes for him this season. He's been hampered by an ankle injury throughout the whole season. And Dave, you know this from watching guys. Like even when he goes in motion and slows down, he almost has like just a little bit of hesitancy where, man, that, that game's played at such a high speed if you have anything slowing you down. So I believe that's part of the reason his production hasn't been there and then Dawson Knox loses his brother tragically at the end of the preseason uh was playing football at at Ole Miss at Ole Miss and and passed away tragically and so he dealt with the loss of that he dealt with some injuries early on but surging as of late and um and then for the Bills what they were missing throughout a majority of the season was the run game and since the weather's got colder this Bills run game has showed up to the tune of 260 yards last week in Chicago and it just seems like they're gaining balance and yes Josh Allen's stats are dropping with the balance but that's okay I mean Josh Josh is not that concerned with individual stats it's it's about wins and losses so as a former great lineman in the National Football League what do you think of the Bills up front offensively so Mitch Morris who makes it all run their center Pro Bowl voted into the Pro Bowl this year he is he's missed the last he he went out two games ago with a concussion and missed last week's game. That's his sixth documented concussion in his career. Oh. Not sure if he comes back this week. I mean, if you want to talk about a potential big time matchup if he's able to play, Mitch Morse and DJ Reader. Okay. That was a showdown in 2019 in Houston. And that's when DJ Reader first came on my radar. And I texted Mitch Morse after they lost that playoff game down in Houston. And I said, Hey, buddy. I, I'm not saying I've watched every single game DJ Reader's play this year, but that's not a dude I'd want to face if I'm playing in the league still. And he said, dude, I'm telling you, he's he can rush the passer and he might be the best run defender in the entire NFL. Well, he, DJ Reader's got nothing but got better since then. Yeah. You know, he comes in on a on a big time deal. And that's kind of you always have that fear when you bring in a guy for free agency and pay him a bunch of money. Like, is, is he now going to shut it down? DJ Reader has not. They did a great assessment with the Bengals going out and getting him. Hendrickson as well. I mean, guys that can really get it up front. So Bills have a, a Pro Bowl left tackle and Deion Dawkins, really good player. They bring in uh, Roger Saffold, who made the Pro Bowl last year in L.A. 
Mm-hmm. Pass protection wise, struggled this year. Good in the run game. On the right side, they got a couple young guys. Spencer Brown, the right tackle, they drafted two years ago. And then at right guard, likely Ryan Bates, especially if Mitch Morse is able to go. They've been good this year, but not great. And and I say this, and you know as much as I do, Dave, because I defend the Bills offensive line till the cows come home up at Buffalo because everyone will say, well, there's so many pressures on Josh. I said, well, they pass the ball more than anyone in the league. I mean, it's if teams know you're passing, it becomes tough. And so now that they've gained some balance, wow, now the pass protection gets better. But I'm also not, you know, early on in the season when they were throwing the ball the most in the league, they had the number one ranked offense in the league. So you play to their strengths when the weather's nice, and then you figure out how to get it done once the conditions change. I've got a ton of respect for Sean McDermott. I don't really know him at all, really. I've I've never really had the privilege of of meeting him in a one-on-one situation. Uh, But, man, if I got respect for him as a football guy, what a mind he has for the game of football. What, what is he like, Eric? Is he, is he special? He is. He's the most consistent person I've ever been around. I, oh. I wrote a book called Tackle What's Next, and Sean yeah. wrote the foreword for it. And Sean is the most consistent person, which has created consistency within an organization that had nothing but inconsistency for about two decades. And so in, in all the turmoil of um, – you know, coaching changes and this and that. Sean's been just a steady presence within that organization. You know, X's and O's wise, defensively, he's great, you know. And for him, it's about being fairly simple, knowing exactly what we're going to do based on how we line up. This is how they're going to attack us and we're going to anticipate, but we're going to play really fast because we're not going to be super complex, which was a big change coming from Rex Ryan to Sean McDermott. That's much different defensive philosophies. And so, Sean has stabilized, you know, that defense, really simplified it. But just as a leader, and he's he's just a tremendous person. And you say you haven't had the chance to meet him. Once you do, you, your opinion of him won't change. He's he's a great person. Oh, that's that's great to hear. And then what about we know Leslie Frazier? He was here with Marvin Lewis. I mean, he's he's done a, a really good job. Uh, and then Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey seem to be, you know, like attached at the hip. They seem to be on the exact same page. What about the two coordinators? Yeah, so Leslie Frazier has been there since Sean McDermott got there. Leslie Frazier provided that head coaching experience for a first-time head coach, which was valuable. He's his uh, associate head coach or assistant head coach, however it's worded in the program. But Leslie's been incredible. I I love that dude to death. He's part of our kind of early workout group before games and uh, at the the hotel. So I generally get to catch up with him once a week in there. And I I love Leslie Frazier. And then Ken Dorsey is the guy that replaces Brian Dayball. Brian Dayball got head coaching looks the last couple of years, has done a great job in New York this year. And Mm -hmm. so Ken Dorsey had big shoes to fill. Most of the offense stays exactly the same. Ken Dorsey was the quarterback's coach. Uh, just promoted offensive coordinator. So him and Josh kept all the communication the same. Now there's just some wrinkles that has fans, you know, where, well, where's the, the guys that are scripted wide open that Brian Dayball used to do. Well, it's different philosophies, you know, and, 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 and Ken's coming into his own, especially in the red zone for the first part of the season, the bills were near the bottom in red zone uh, scoring percentage. Well, that has gone up throughout the season, but he could he took a lot of grief for that early in the season, but but they have improved. Yeah, I, I know uh, Allen had some turnovers, red zone turnovers in the early part of the season that was a little bit uh, a little bit crazy. And I, I, I see that 
both in the red zone. That that's an interesting dynamic with this football team. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, eleven times they haven't scored any points in the red zone offensively, which is tied for most in the NFL. But then twelve times defensively, they've held an opponent without a point in the red zone. That's best in the National Football League. So there's yin and yang there. The red zone is the twilight zone, isn't it? I mean, it's crazy down there. <laughs> yeah, the Bills went on a two-game losing streak and still remained the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl through that losing streak and, you know, some some not pretty wins. And everyone was asking me how to make sense of that. And I said, look, the Bills at that time had the most – had the highest percentage of drives that ended in a turnover, and they were bottom five in red zone scoring percentage. I said – those with the amount of talent that Buffalo has, those won't stand like Josh won't continue to turn it over at this rate and guys are fumbling and this and that, that will improve turnover wise. They'll find a way to score points. They'll get on the same page and then you'll see them come out of it. And that's where you see this five game win streak. Cause prior to the last game in the previous four games, the bills have two turnovers in total. And so, you know, you play the Miami Dolphins two weeks ago and you go four for four in the red zone. It was technically four for five, but they chose to kick the field goal at the end. And so they're getting better in both those areas. And that's where you see the Bills playing really good football again. Well, Eric, I tell you, I feel like th this was great for me. I mean, my preparation it took a, took another step up having a guy like you to talk to about the Buffalo Bills and getting ready for this football game. You're a very knowledgeable guy and you communicated all so well and you get to come back where it all started, Cincinnati, man. You're, I know you got a lot of buddies and family here in Cincinnati, and uh, enjoy yourself. Have the have a safe trip and 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 have a have a great time in Cincinnati. Well, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. I live in Louisville, Kentucky, and commute wherever the Bills are. So this is as close as it gets to a home game for me. And I'll say this: it's going to be much cheaper this time around with the bills going to Cincinnati than it ever was with me as a player. And I'm buying a big block of tickets. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Uh, I know uh, hopefully you had the merriest Christmas you ever had and happy new year to you as well, my man. Thanks. You too, Dave. At First Star Logistics, we're a very strict company that really puts the pressure on our employees. <laughs> Breaks? What are those? That's what I'm talking about, Icky. Get the body right, then the mind's right. You yeah. know, you gotta get that body right. That's right. right. Yes, sir. Become a star with a chance to earn the highest commission percentages in the industry as a freight broker agent. Check out FirstStarLogistics.com.